Hebrew 1, 13, 14. Which of angels said, uh, He at any time sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies at thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent for to minister for them who, uh, who shall be higher of salvation? And now, at this time, we'll have our divine message from Brother Kent. Good afternoon, church family. I must say I listened to that entire children's story with quite a bit of interest. That was really good. I love elephant stories. I've read and heard a few really good ones myself. I really enjoy that. Um, Whoever brought the flowers, what a lovely uh, gift for our worship service today. And uh, thank you so much also for the special music. Um, We're definitely approaching Jesus coming uh, rapidly and... um, There's a lot of things to be studied and talked about, and um, you well understand that if you're just listening to the word preached and not studying for yourself, you're at a terrible disadvantage. We've got to study for ourselves. But today what I'd like to do is I would like to um, just take a look. I think you will find this meaningful. I would like to take a look at the subject of angel ministry. And um, as the clock allows, we'll look at a few of the concepts and and inspiration there. I'd like to bow our heads briefly for a word of prayer. Father, we are very thankful today for thy word. We are very thankful today for the ministry of Christ and for the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, Father, we pray uh, that as we look at this um, subject of angel ministry, that we will see it as an extension of Christ's redeeming power and his love in our behalf, and that we will be awakened more to the reality of the great controversy that we are now immersed in between good and evil, and that we will be on the right side, and that we will cooperate with the right side. Please guide my mind and my lips, and please guide each one of our hearts today. I pray that where there's a need in the hearts of those who have come to worship, that it will be met and realized, and that we will all be drawn closer to thee, and that we will be dedicated to thee. So thank you for hearing our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, last time when I was here, we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the exercise of faith. And I just want to recap that very quickly. There was a quote that I shared with you from Review and Herald, October 18, 1898, um, which went something like this, the knowledge of what the Word of God means The knowledge of what the Word of God means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. It 
So in other words, how to exercise faith is the supreme subject to understand. Of course, any any subject that we go to in the word of God is going to increase our faith if it's properly approached because faith comes from the word, as you know in Romans 10. So, And also, I quoted to you a brief statement from A2 Jones commenting on Matthew chapter 8 where the centurion came to Jesus, and he said, Lord... Uh, he said, please come, please heal my servant, rather. And Jesus said, I'll be glad to come to your house. He said, he, he stopped the Lord. He said, no, he said, don't do that. He said, for one, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. He said, secondly, I'm a man of authority. And when I command my servants to do this, they do it. And when I command another one to do that, he does it. He said, then he said to Christ, he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. In other words, evidently this centurion probably understood somewhat angel ministry because he said, look, tell your uh, associating or uh, however you want to call it, your angel powers to go and heal my son. But A.T. Jones comments on this story, and he says, faith is is expecting the word of God to do what it says and depending upon the word of God to do what it says. That's faith. So we must cultivate faith. We must constantly cultivate the expectation of, of expecting the word of God to do what it says and depending upon the word of God to do what it says. Expect and depend upon the word of God to do um, what it says. Okay. So in, in the scripture reading that, was, uh, that we take, took a look at today um, is one of those verses where it talks about um, angel ministry and it says, but to which the angel said, at any time sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So I think we need to understand the, the reality of angel ministry, especially in these last days. And also especially we will take a look at this a little bit in the context of the fact that there are not only good angels, but there are evil angels. Amen. And, this is, and that this is a, a reality. I would like to just read uh, briefly here a... Um, couple statements from the 7a of the bible commentary in fact i may read quite a few statements today um let me read just a few of these here god has angels whose whole work is to draw those who shall be heirs of salvation when whenever one takes a step toward jesus jesus is taking steps toward him the angels work to keep back the powers of satan Here's another one, 7A, page, same page, 366. Angels have far more to do with the human family than many suppose. Interesting. It is the greatest joy of the angels to spread the shield of their tender love over souls who turn to God. Isn't that lovely? It is the greatest joy of the angels of heaven to spread the shield of their tender love over souls who turn to God. Their deep and earnest love for the souls for whom Christ has died, their deep and earnest love for the souls for whom Christ has died is beyond measurement. Isn't that wonderful? I want to partake more of that love, don't you? It's like to have that deep, earnest love for the souls for whom Christ has died, and this is the angels. Uh, By the way, brothers and sisters, if you would ask someone for the count of worshipers here today and they would go down a number, all the people in the pews, they'd still be incorrect. Do you realize that? 
Yeah, there is an unseen company here. Now, we know that on these occasions where we gather, Satan also seeks to intrude his angels. Okay? And this is why we need to pray that they will be uh, rejected out and that holy angels alone will abide in our worship services. But we are told somewhere around the uh, 4.10 and 4.11 and three selected messages that at the end of time, when the, as the great controversy really picks up, that both good and evil angels in human form will come to worship gatherings of God's people. Mm, yes, and we are told that the evil angels will speak up and say things, and we are told how to react to that. You can look it up. Page uh, three, select the messages around page four ten and four eleven. This thing is going to definitely, um, definitely accelerate. Um, I would. Uh, probably guess correctly that there's at least some angel stories floating around in minds sitting here for worship today. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that my life has been saved by angels um, and that, of course, that they have ministered um, to me too. I remember one time, um, you know, I spent a lot, quite a few years of my early adult life living alone and working alone. And um, I remember one time after I'd injured my foot playing volleyball, that I was on crutches for about a month and I was not able to work. So I, I spent at least, I think, a month at home because I just wasn't able to work. But I remember one morning, because and because of my foot was uh, so badly hurt, um, I wasn't exercising. And when I don't exercise, I get lazy, you know. So anyway, I remember one morning I got up to do my uh, devotions and I um, um, was sitting on the floor next to my bed reading and I got so lazy and tired, I thought, I'm going to take a nap. So I, I didn't even get back in bed. I was too lazy. I got, just laid down on the floor, and I went to sleep. And about a half an hour later, I heard my name called out. And I just heard my first name, Kent, called out. And I jumped up so decidedly and fast that when my foot hit the floor, it just shot the pain up through my leg. I looked around the room where I was at. I didn't see anybody. I looked down the high, hallway. I didn't see anybody. And then later in the day, it came to be, I, I, think, I really think my angel just spoke to me to kind of give me some, a nudge of encouragement. But that voice that I heard that morning, I heard in my right ear, and I felt it sound down through my upper body. I felt it. I heard it, and I felt it. No. Um, I remember one another time when I was canvassing, there was, I was uh, running a lead card. I pulled into a driveway. I didn't think it was the right place, so I left. I came back. And then I went up to the driveway, and the driveway, the man had sent in a request card for uh, getting information on the books. He said, when you pulled into that driveway just a little bit ago, he said, there was someone in the car with you. I said, no, there wasn't. He said, yes, there was. He took his glasses off like you're lying to me, buddy. He said, yes, there was someone in the car with you. So maybe he saw my angel. I don't know. I've heard uh, stories. I've heard stories like that. Um, And I think I could tell one or two more. But anyway, angel ministry is very interesting. And we just read here that they have far more to do with the human family than many realize. Uh, when you read the book Great Controversy, I'm pretty sure you're going to find in there a statement that says, as we get into the end of time, the thick of the end of time, that um, our angel guard will be doubled. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, our angel guard will be doubled. Um, by the way, even though angels, uh, holy angels, w- will not experience redemption from sin, and as we'll sing in the hymn after 
our service this morning. Angels, while we sing redemption story, angels fold their wings, for they have never felt the joy that my salvation brings. Yet I think that even though they lack that dimension of personal experience, they're highly uh, involved in this thing. We are told they rejoice um, when one sinner repents, uh, which means that there are intelligences many, many, many thousands of light years away watching this earth. They have no problem doing that. Their technology is far superior to ours in visual and travel, and they are watching what's going on this earth. And I'm going to read you a few of the statements that are um, here. Uh, there's just um, too much. But anyway, I'm not going to uh, read all those. So... Um, I want to talk to you about an angel uh, for just a little bit. Um, in fact, as, as far as, uh, from what I know, and I'm sure you would agree with this, there's only one holy angel that we have his name. Right? Gabriel. Gabriel, right? Now, when um, Christ was uh, taken back to heaven, I want to read to you some uh, statement here. Um, this is interesting. Remember when you read in Acts chapter 1, Christ ascended up to heaven. He slowly left the company of disciples and then traveled on back. And the disciples looked around. There was two, the Bible calls them men, but they were angels in white standing there beside the disciples. I want to read to you a Desire of Ages comment on those two angels. It says, these angels were of the company that had been waiting in a shining cloud to escort Jesus to his heavenly home. Now here's what it says about those two angels. The most exalted of the angel throng. They were the two who had come to the tomb at Christ's resurrection and had been with him throughout his life on earth. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Um, and I thought I'd mark this page, but I think, yep, I didn't. I'll find it right here. Now, so tell me, we don't know the one's name, but what is who is the mightiest? Gabriel. Gabriel was one of Christ's guardian angels here in this world. I, and if I was God the Father, I think I'd seen, send my two best angels also to be with my son. Ta-ha, I'm really glad he did. Right? Now, here's another statement about the resurrection, and it has to do with the um, Gabriel. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. This is quoting the Bible, and then comments. Clothed with the panoply of God, this angel left the heavenly courts. The bright beams of God's glory went before him and illumined his pathway. Quoting from the Bible, his countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became his dead men. Now, priests and rulers, where is the power of your guard? Brave soldiers that have never been afraid of human power are now as captives taken without sword or spear. Then it says this, okay? The face they look upon is not the face of a mortal warrior. In other words, a mere man. It is the face of the mightiest of the Lord's host. 
This messenger is he who fills the position from which Satan fell. Satan stepped out. Gabriel stepped in. It is he who on the hills of Bethlehem proclaimed Christ's birth. The earth trembles at his approach. The hosts of darkness flee, and as he rolls away the stone, heaven seems to come down to earth. The soldiers see him removing the stone as he would a pebble. And hear him cry, Son of God, come forth, thy father calls thee. You know, sometime back I shared with you a little bit of the math I kind of played with. We don't know how far away heaven is, but we know it's beyond Orion, based on inspiration. And we know, um, excuse me, we know Orion is at least one uh, one of the places in Orion is 1,369 light years away from the earth. So if you traveled at the speed of light for 1,369 years, you'd get to Orion if you're traveling at the speed of light in 1,369 years. Okay. So you understand traveling at the speed of light, if you would go around this world at the speed of light, you would go around this world 35 times in five seconds if you were traveling at the speed of light. Okay. Does that give you a little feel of the speed of light? All right. But anyway, I did a little figuring. We don't know how far heaven is, but if Gabriel was coming from um, Orion when Daniel started his prayer and he took 10 minutes to make the trip, he would be traveling a million times the speed of light to get to this world. Pretty nice to have some company like that, isn't it? Yeah. If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Absolutely. There's there's such an abundance of, you know, I... I was trying to locate it, but I have a little book. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's called It Must Have Been an Angel by Marjorie Lewis Lloyd. It Must Have Been an Angel. Good little book with some really tremendous um, tremendous stories in there of God's deliverance and how he helped people and so forth. So anyway, I'm convinced, and I, I don't know, if maybe I should make a refer- But anyway, just talking about Gabriel, when you read the book of Revelation, it's Jesus said in the book of Revelation at the last chapter, he said, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Okay? This has to be Gabriel. has to be Gabriel. Now, when you read carefully in the book of Revelation, you will also notice that, that the angel who gives Gabriel the book of Revelation or is involved in, in, excuse me, the angel who gives John, excuse me, the book of Revelation is involved in the pouring out of the seven last plagues. Have you seen that? Yeah, he's definitely one of the seven. Let me um, go to, um, let me see here. Okay, look at verse 9 of uh, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter uh, 21, verse 9. Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. 21.9, 21.9, it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. This angel has to be Gabriel, and is very explicit and plain in stating that he's going to be one of the seven who pours out the final wrath of God upon the earth. Uh, remember when Lot steps out outside his 
uh, house to try and reason with the inhabitants of Sodom. <clears throat> the angel, you know, they probably would have well killed him, but the angels pulled him back in and they smote those men with blindness. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised the angels, well, obviously, an angel obviously can stop a bullet from hitting you and uh, their power is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So, I wouldn't think that the other angels are a whole lot different. They're probably somewhat less, but their power is very impressive. And there is a statement, probably in the book Desire of Ages, she says, under God, the angels are all powerful. Isn't that wonderful? Now, brothers and sisters, sometimes calamities do happen, and God allows it, either by accident or sickness or what have you. But if that's the case, then the Lord has given the angel a directive that it is now time for such and such to occur, and we must leave these things in the hands of God. But I believe many times angels have protected us. I remember one time going down a mountain. I had traveled a truck for a long ways, and I finally had the chance to pass. It was a two-lane highway, and I took my chance, and I went for it. And as I got in the passing lane, it was only a two-lane road. There was another vehicle coming right at me. There was a, a, a long cliff on the right side, and on my left side was a, another cliff. But as I tried to slow down, so as I saw the vehicle coming, I knew there was no way to make it. I hit my brakes to allow the truck to get ahead of me. I was going to drop in behind him. The truck saw what was happening. He tried to help me and hit his brakes, and he blocked me in. So I pulled over off to, on the opposite side of the road on, the, on a, an open spot, and both vehicles cleared, and then I went on my way. And I will tell you this. I came back that same road, and there was no place along there to pull off. Ha! That was, that was definitely a miracle. Now, here's something that's interesting. Uh, and, that, and I am pulling this out of the book Desire of Ages, okay? When Christ comes back, he's gonna, the Bible says he's going to come back with all his holy angels, all right, but this is interesting. I, I'm not going to take time to reiterate this because I want to get to some things, and the clock is just moving really fast. But I would invite you to read the last two or three pages of the book Desire of Ages. Absolutely thrilling as you read of Christ's return back to heaven, and as the uh, the angels are awaiting him there and his reception and his meeting with the Father and all that kind of thing. I don't want to read a something, uh, sentence to you here. Now he's, he's just arrived at heaven, in heaven after the cross, and it says this, but he waves them back. They want to worship him. <laughs> but he says, no, not yet. Not yet. He cannot now receive the coronet of glory. Um... And the robe, he enters into the presence of his father. He points to the wounded head, the pierced side, the marred feet, his hands. He points to the tokens of his triumph and so forth. And then the father says, but anyway, right above this, it says, here's, here's who's waiting, okay? There is the throne and around it the rainbow of promise. There are cherubim and seraphim, evidently two different kinds of angels, the commanders of the angels host, then it says this, then comma, the sons of God, comma, 
the representatives of the unfallen worlds are assembled. Okay? You remember when you read the genealogy in the book of Luke, it says the son of, the son of, the son of, and then it says the son, and then, then Adam, which was the son of God? Okay? In other words, Adam was the, the representative of this earth. Now, when Christ ascended back to heaven, it says here, the sons of God, the representatives of the unfallen worlds are assembled. Now, you have at least 200 billion galaxies out there. How many? The magnitude of this is just beyond our minds. Even if you had one representative from every inhabited planet, and they were there to welcome Christ back after his death and his resurrection. And as you probably, you may remember reading, and when you read the book Desire of Ages, she says when Christ cried out on the cross, it is finished, his name was heralded from world to world throughout the universe because they saw that man would be redeemed, those who would repent, and they saw that the universe was now certain to be secured from the inroads of sin forever by the sacrifice of Christ. Isn't that amazing? But I want to read you another statement that mentions the sons of God. Um, I apologize. Let me just find it here. Okay. <clears throat> this, is, this is page 739. It's talking about the second coming here. This is in the chapter in Pilate's Judgment Hall, page 739. Now, this happens to be talking about the second coming. Because Christ told the people at his uh, trial, he said, you are going to see me come again in glory. Right? Now, I want to read this. This is interesting. When Christ shall come to the earth again, not as a prisoner surrounded by a rabble will men see him. They will see, see him then as heaven's king. Christ will come in his own glory, in the glory of his Father, and the glory of the holy angels. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels. Now listen, comma, the beautiful and triumphant sons of God, possessing surpassing loveliness and glory, will escort him on his way. So the sons of God, the representatives from unfallen worlds that greeted Christ at his ascension, they're going to join that mighty host of millions of angels when he comes the second time to pull the redeemed up out of this earth. Isn't that exciting? I mean, the, the fascina- fascination of the universe for all this. What's going on? I mean, like this is like really exciting stuff. Okay? So, um, So that's about Gabriel and the sons of God. Now I'd like to just talk to you a little bit about the redemptive work that angels um, have upon the human heart, okay, as we uh, go make our journey here in this world. All right. Um, here's a statement from Desire of Ages, page 21. It says, Heavenly beings woo the hearts of men, Woo, that means attract. They bring to this dark world light from the courts above. Okay. By gentle and patient ministry, they move upon the human spirit, 
gentle, patient ministry. They move upon the human spirit to bring, listen to this, this is amazing, because of what we are as human beings. It says to bring the lost into a fellowship with Christ, which is even closer than they themselves can know. That's amazing. That's amazing. That should thrill us. I'm going to read you a similar statement here from the book Desire of Ages. Great as is the shame and degradation wrought through sin, even greater will be the honor and exaltation through redeeming love. To human beings striving for conformity to the divine image, there is imparted an outlay of heaven's treasure an excellency of power that will place them higher than even the angels who have never fallen. Digest that one. Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I believe that text refers... Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That refers to this life, that he may exalt you in due time. That refers to those who are faithful. And by the way, brothers and sisters, God will not pass out rewards to the slackers, to the complainers, and to the non-overcomers. He will pass out rewards to those who depend upon him, who keep depending upon him, who are willing to suffer for him, and who refuse to give up till the race is done. Just remember that. These rewards will be given out. Because we, those who are faithful have suffered and they've been faithful all the way to the end of time. Okay? Amazing. So human beings striving for conformity to divine image, uh, they will be brought to closer to Christ than even they themselves can know. <clears throat> I must say... I'm going to just say this here in the pulpit, but I must say I'm going to be very curious to hear some of the testimonies from your outreach at the fair this year. Uh, the The Lord um, opened the way for me to help at another at Stark County Fair. <clears throat> Had some very precious experiences. We worked right across from the sheriff's uh, department, um, their booth, and um, had some nice contacts with them. And one of the ladies working over there got the great controversy from us. I tried to get her to take the Desire of Ages. She didn't. And then I came back a day or when I came back a day or two day, two later, she said, I just want you to know I sneaked over there and got that other book. <laughs> she was quite a book reader. We had just a lot of a lot of good um, a lot of good experiences there. Now in the scripture reading that we had today, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I believe if you want association with angels, you must spend time to commune with God. And also, if you want associate, uh, association with angels, you must be in God's service, doing something for Christ. Okay? I'm going to read you two statements to that effect here in the book, um, Education. This is page 127. And it says this. And I'm, it's quite a bit, but I'm going to just ring, read sprinkles from this statement. It's page 127. It says this. With the word of God in his hands, with the word of God in his hands, Every human being, whatever his lot in life may be cast, may have such companionship as he shall choose. 
In its pages, he may hold converse with the noblest and best of the human race and may listen to the voice of the eternal as he speaks with men. As he studies and meditates upon the theme into which the angels desire to look, 1 Peter 1.12, he may have their companionship. He may dwell in this world in the atmosphere of heaven, imparting to earth sorrowing and tempted ones thoughts of hope and longings for holiness. In other words, brothers and sisters, if you want to invite the atmosphere of heaven and angel ministry, open this holy book with reverence and a hunger for God and his righteousness. Now listen. Himself coming closer and still closer into fellowship with the unseen, like him of old who walked with God. By the way, there's been other people who walked with God like Enoch did, and we are invited to walk with God like Enoch did. You'll find a a statement in 7a somewhere, sorry, where she says, we can have what Enoch had. It's a matter of seeking for it. But listen, now listen to this. Near the threshold of the eternal world until the portal shall open and he shall enter there. He will find himself no stranger. So when we get to heaven, it won't be a strange place to us. Isn't that nice? I mean, that's so nice. I think, in fact, we're going to say, no, I'm home. No, I'm home. Now listen. The voices that will greet him are the voices of the holy ones who unseen were on earth his companions, who unseen were on earth his companions, voices that here he learned to distinguish and to love. He who through the word of God has lived in fellowship with heaven will find himself at home in heaven's companionship. So it's plainly saying that when we get to heaven, we are going to recognize the voices of the angels. Not that we necessarily heard them audibly, but by the spiritual reality of them impressing truth upon our minds as we read the Bible, as we read the spirit of prophecy, we become familiar with their voices. Even though it's on a spiritual level, it's not on an audible level. We'll be at home there. And she says, voices that they learn to distinguish and to love. You know, I have a friend who said to me that we need more spiritual heartburn. Remember, and she was simply commenting on the Cleophas and his friend who, after they walked to Emmaus with Christ, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he opened to us the scriptures and well, he talked to us, by the way. Yeah. Christianity is not a religion of feeling, but sometimes feelings come. Anyway, that, that's very exciting. If you want to invite heaven, open your Bible, read it, study it, meditate upon it. And I believe the same is true of the spirit of prophecy. You know, I heard, I t- and I maybe mentioned this to you, but one of the contacts I had, I was a young 18-year-old man in Memphis, Tennessee. He said to me, he was not an Adventist. He said, when I read books by Ellen G. White, he said, I feel the Spirit of God resting upon me. You know, yesterday I went into a car parts store to buy some stuff for a carburetor, and a carburetor cleaner, and there was a nice young lady there, and she kind of helped me out, and I paid her the money, and I gave her a great controversy. She looked at it, and about as quick as a flash, she said, oh, I like books by Ellen G. White. I wonder, how did you figure that one out so fast? So anyway, she had gone to an Adventist church up until she was eight years old. I invited her to come back. Yeah. 
Yeah, she liked Ellen White's writings. Isn't that sweet? Now, so if you want fellowship with angels, read the word of God, study the word of God. Obviously, also pray. But here, if you want fellowship with angels, we also must be in God's service. Listen to this. Education, page 271. There is no line of work in which it is possible for the youth to receive greater benefit. That is, service for Christ. All who engage, all who engage in ministry are God's helping hand. They are co-workers with the angels. Rather, they are the human agencies through whom the angels accomplish their mission. Now listen. Angels speak through their voices. Wow. And work by their hands. And the human workers cooperating with heavenly agencies have the benefit of their education and experience. This statement is loaded. As a means of education, what university course can, can equal this? Another, okay, here's what we just read. She says angels will speak through the voices and work through the hands of consecrated workers. This is a very close association with the unseen world. Also, it says... The human workers cooperating with heavenly agencies have the benefit of their education and experience. So these angels have been accumulating experience in the great controversy for at least 6,000 years. And as they work with human agencies, they actually pass on to us their experience and their skill. And I believe part of that is in that they will give us a directive as to the words to use when we are witnessing to others. And it says, what university course can equal this? Wow. <clears throat> I'm watching you, and I'm watching the clock, and I'm going to try not to be too long, but I'm going to take a little more time. Another aspect of this that I would like to uh, ponder on today, and, and that is the fact of the reality of the great controversy that we are in, that there are good and evil angels. Okay? There are good and evil angels. There's a real battle going on. Okay? By the way, do you know who the, the who determines the victory? It's you and it's me. Because we have freedom of choice. Do not abuse your freedom of choice. Do not use it carelessly. Do not give your will over to the side of the evil one. You may have a bunch of thoughts pumped in from that side, but don't listen to them. Say no. Okay? Listen, I want to read you a little bit here. <clears throat> We cannot be too often, now this is, uh, I'm just going to read the quote. We cannot be too often reminded that health does not depend upon chance. It is a result of obedience to law. Health does not depend upon chance. It's a result of obedience to law. Right? If you want to improve your health, obey the eight laws of health better, and your health will improve. Okay? This is recognized by the contestants in athletic games and trials of strength. These men make the most careful preparation. They submit to thorough training and strict discipline, Every physical habit is carefully regulated. They know that neglect, excess, or carelessness, which weakens or cripples any organ or function of the body, would ensure defeat. How much more important is such carefulness to ensure success in the conflict with life? It is not mimic battles in which we are engaged. We are waging a warfare upon which hang eternal results. We have unseen enemies to meet. 
evil angels are striving for the dominion of every human being. Whatever injures health not only lessens physical vigor, but tends to weaken the mental and moral powers. Indulgence in any unhealthful practice makes it more difficult for one to discriminate between right and wrong, and hence more difficult to resist evil. It increases the danger of failure and defeat. Brothers and sisters, we've got to get control of our appetite. We've got to exercise. We've got to eat right. We've got to drink our water. We've got to get our rest. We've got to do some fasting. All those things, we need to do all those things to uh, ensure improvement. So it says... Good and evil angels are striving over every human being. I remember one time being in a small town. I was going in to get gas. I saw a man sitting on a church step reading a book. I thought, oh, here's my thought. Here's my thought. I thought, oh, how nice. This man sitting on the church step reading his Bible. So I found a place to park my car. I walked over to the man, and um, I told him about the book Great Controversy and uh, started talking to him there. And he said, yeah, he said, my girlfriend and I were just in a bad fight. And Anyway, I said, well, what are you reading? Or I told him first about the book Great Controversy. I said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading a, li- a book on the life of Adolf Hitler. He said to me in the conversation, he said, I can see that by reading this book on the life of Adolf Hitler, I'm headed down the wrong road. And he took two books, one for himself and one for his mother. You never know, brothers and sisters, how you might tip a soul in the right direction. You know, people need to know that Jesus wants them in heaven. People need to know that the angels of God will help them. They need to be encouraged that heaven has the power, heaven has the help, and they really need to be encouraged. I just want to read you. I know I'm reading a lot from Ellen White today, but I don't don't apologize. I want to read you this. This is talking about when Abraham took Isaac to uh, Mount Moriah. Uh, to obey God's command, slay your son, okay? The command to Abraham demanded the most agonizing sacrifice. All heaven beheld with wonder and admiration Abraham's unfaltering obedience. All heaven applauded his fidelity Interesting, isn't it? Satan's accusations were shown to be false. God declared to his servant, Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. God's covenant confirmed to Abraham by an oath before the intelligences of other worlds testified that that obedience will be rewarded. It had been difficult even for the angels to grasp the mystery of redemption, to comprehend the commander of heaven, the Son of God, must die for guilty men. When the command was given to Abraham to offer up his son, the interest of all heavenly beings was enlisted. With intense earnestness, they watched each step in the, in the fulfillment of the command. When to Isaac's question, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham made answer, God will provide himself a lamb. And when the father's hand was stayed as he was about to slay his son, and the ram which God had provided was offered in the place of Isaac, then light was shed upon the mystery of redemption, and even the angels understood more clearly the wonderful provision that God had made for man's salvation. Yeah, they are definitely um, watching what is going on here. And when you read the book Patriarchs and Prophets, you're going to read about Joseph and when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. 
she said, I'll cash in big for you. And Joseph obviously was tempted. We're told she repeatedly negged the boy. And he wouldn't do it. But she says, angels were watching with the greatest intensity to see what we he would do. And he came off victorious. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So there's this conflict between good and evil angels. I have a book here. It's called Heartwarming Stories of Adventist Pioneers. And it uh, tells a number of stories from people's lives. Um, uh, Stephen Haskell had two wives. Uh, His first wife died. And then uh, sometime after that, he married another one. And he loved his first wife uh, very dearly. But anyway... His wife died, and he's laying in bed several nights later. And I'm going to just read a little bit to you of this account here. I can tell it, but I just prefer to read it. In connection with Mary's death, Elder Haskell had a very disturbing experience. One evening, not long after Mary died, he was feeling very lonely as he retired. He lay in bed reciting the promises of God as he drifted off to sleep. After a short time, he was awakened by a light in the room. As he opened his eyes, he saw a bright, shadowy light beside his bed. Then he heard Mary's voice, she's dead. Then he heard her voice, telling him how much she loved him, now she would watch over him and comfort him from where she now was. His first instinct was to reach out toward her voice. But an inner inner voice said, the dead know not anything He instantly drew away from the light. Mary's voice came again, full of love and longing, encouraged him to recognize her. Using every ounce of willpower and strength that he had, he said, No. I never knew you. You are not my Mary. You are not Mary. You are an evil spirit sent by Satan to deceive me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to depart and to trouble me no more. In telling of this experience, Haskell wrote, the spirit vanished, but in going for one brief instant, the gentle expression on the face turned to one of baffled rage. So he saw the face just before it left, one of baffled rage, and he says, the most malignant that I ever saw on the face of any man or in the pictured likeness of any evil demon. It was very, very evil-looking brothers and sisters. Uh, there's how many of us, but it's guaranteed those of us who live through the end of time, some or all of us are going to be confronted with this very same thing, dead relatives coming to us in the form of evil angels to draw us away from Christ. We must be thoroughly uh, established in um, Bible, Bible truth so that we are not um, swayed by these things. Okay? Um, I'm going to cram it here a little bit. I want to read you one other statement from the book Desire of Ages. This, I believe, I can find here. It's page 258. This is talking about the Word of God and evil angels in connection with it. History is repeating with the open Bible before them and professing to reverence its teachings. Many of the religious leaders of our time are destroying faith in it as the word of God. They busy themselves with dissecting the word, 
dissecting the word. Now listen, so you have intellectuals dealing with the word of God. And then she says this, they set their own opinions above its plainest statements. You got that? Plain statements in the Bible, the intellectuals will set their own opinions above its plainest statements. And one fulfillment of this is the Roman Catholic Church telling you that the Sabbath is on the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. They are setting themselves above God and directly disagreeing with one of its plainest statements. Okay? By the way, this is evening happening in Adventism. Wake up. Not every pulpit, not every publication is right, brothers and sisters. You better have your eyes open. They set their own opinions above its plainest statements. In, the hands, in their hands, God's word loses its regenerating power. Now listen. When Satan has undermined faith in the Bible, he directs men to other sources for light and power. So they become disillusioned with the Bible. They don't depend upon it as the word of God. Thus he insinuates himself... Those who turn from the plain teaching of Scripture and the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit are inviting the control of demons. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I, want, I want to make a comment about a phrase that you hear both in the church and out of the church. It's a phrase. It's a two-word phrase. And it's this, conspiracy theories. A conspiracy is an organized plot to do evil. The phrase conspiracy theory, I believe, has been floated around to put shame on those who believe in organized evil. Okay? Now, yeah, we can't be chasing every rabbit trail that the devil puts out, but brothers and sisters... The word conspiracy and the concept of conspiracy is a biblical concept. Did you know that? Read 1 Samuel chapter 15. When Absalom rebelled against David, the Bible says the conspiracy was very strong. Okay? When you read in Acts chapter 23, there was 40 men who hated Paul so much, they said we're not going to eat or drink till we kill that guy. And the Bible calls it a conspiracy. Okay? And when you read the book Great Controversy... Um, it's page 670. Um, it calls Satan, for thousands of years, this chief of conspiracy has palmed off falsehood for truth. Yeah, we want to be balanced in our thinking, but brothers and sisters, the reality of it is, is there is an organization, there is an organization of, and there are organizations of evil out there in the world that have their, their eyes on the people of God. Read it, Revelation twelve seventeen. It says the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. For people to um, doubt that we are uh, the subjects of evil, I think... Um, or the, the subjects of the aims of evil purposes, I think, is um, throwing your guard off. 
Okay. This is a statement that many of you uh, probably know, but I'm going to read it here just briefly. This is talking about people who throw off the truth, and then it says, Many will stand, this is TM 409, Many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy. Many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy in their hands. Kindled from the hellish fires of, excuse me, kindled from the hellish torch of Satan. So we better take warning. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on out there, and we need the wisdom from the Spirit of God to know how to navigate our way through all these things. Obviously, we are not to be walking around in fear, but obviously we are uh, per se, but obviously we are to be wise. And as the Word of God says, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the, the simple pass on and are punished. So if God has given us warnings, we must take these warnings and be on the right side of the great controversy. Yeah. Yeah. So may the Lord bless you in these last days as we come in these last days. Remember the angel ministry. Remember their love for you. Remember their power. Remember how to have fellowship with them through the word of God and in the service of God. And someday... If we are faithful, we will get to see them come back with all the sons of God. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be two long lines of angels like a corridor or a hallway. And they will welcome the redeemed back into the kingdom of heaven. It's very exciting. So may the Lord bless you and keep your minds on the word of God. Follow Christ all the way and do all you can to get this message out. Brothers and sisters, now is the time to get out books like Great Controversy, witness to our neighbors, pass things out. The minds of people are open, and let's do all we can to get the message out. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Kent, for that message. We have our closing hymn now, uh, 425, Holy, Holy, Holy. 425, please stand when you find it.
Before we pray, I want to make a call. If there's anyone here that has backslidden from Christ, please make your decision today to follow the Lord Jesus. Please do not put it off. Do not put it off. If there's anybody here who's not baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist, we would welcome you to consider joining the Seventh-day Adventist faith and movement. We are convinced that it is the remnant of Bible prophecy and that we have the truth for this time and that that cannot be refuted and that it is the path to heaven that God has marked out for his people. God has given his people the message. This is no boast. We just say it based on the word of God. So if you're not a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please, if you have not given your life to Christ, please make your decision for him today. Study out this message. Become part of God's people, part of those who prepare others for the second coming of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the reminder today of the wonderful ministry of angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We thank you, Lord, for this extension of your mighty saving power. We thank you for all that the angels have done for us and are doing in ministry in our behalf. And I pray, dear Lord, that we will cooperate with them, that we will not make their ministry hard, but that we will cooperate, that we will love Christ that we will love his word, that we will love his service and get the message out that the angels may work through us because we know that they are doing this for a purpose. Please bless everyone assembled here. If there's anyone here today struggling with, in their minds, over following Christ of the world, I plead that the Spirit of God will rest upon them and that they will say, I will follow Jesus and seek eternal treasure, not that which is going to be burned in the lake of fire. I will follow my Savior because he loves me and because he has died for me. If anybody is suffering from other afflictions or pains or trials, Lord, please sustain them. We don't know the hearts or experiences of everyone here by any means. Only you see it all. But I pray that you'll help everyone here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. We pray that you work mightily to save our loved ones that we pray for daily. Please, Father, hear our prayers in their behalf. Please hold back the four winds. Please raise up a mighty army of workers. Please keep the wicked busy with their own trouble. And please help us to get this message out. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.